And the most important thing when you're doing this goal setting is like not saying, okay, I want to lose 40 pounds. It's saying, okay, if I want to lose weight, um, or if I want to change my body composition, then I know the habits that are going to get me there are going to the gym on a regular basis and eating healthfully. And those are broken down into a daily task. And I think that is where this like identity based goal setting really comes in Mm -hmm. to be coming from this place where you're like, I eat healthy or however triggering that word may be for somebody else. Like healthy might not be the right word. I eat uh, in a way I eat intentionally. I eat in a way that supports my body. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by a nutritional therapist, Cassie Knavel, and professional esthetician and makeup artist, Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome all. I'm so excited for this discussion about New Year's resolutions. What we really want to call it is New Year's intentions, because Mm -hmm. I think it is so imperative to be setting your New Year's resolutions with a lot of intention and not just thinking about what you want to accomplish, but how you're going to accomplish it and really thinking about your, where you come from as far as your personality type and all of that. So we're going to get into that discussion in a couple minutes, but we're going to start with our was up section first. And then I'm going to ask you what, um, what healthy habit are you into right now that you think is going to carry into 2019 for you? Okay. So this is kind of I feel like because I'm an obliger too, this is this is helpful. I'm kind of speaking this into existence because I've just recently sent this in t- this intention, but I haven't been able to set it into a habit. So I haven't been doing it for 21 days. I haven't, truth be told, I haven't really been able to do it the way I want to because I've got two kiddos that have come down with fevers in the last week. <laughs> but I'm going to speak this into existence. Uh, I am going to be more consistent with my gym time. Ooh, I like it because I have one day a week where I will not miss my dance fitness class. Love it. I absolutely adore that class, which is so sad because I missed it yesterday Oh no! <laughs> because <laughs> of the fevers in my family. Uh, and I was just like, Oh, all morning. Yes. All morning. I was like, oh, I'm about, oh. I adore that class because it's like good for my soul. It's like the one time that I can just reckless abandon, shake my booty and, it's like I miss dancing hula. I really do. I miss dancing hula. I miss performing. I miss the entertaining. And while this class is not entertaining, like I'm not entertaining other people. Nobody's really paying attention to anybody else in the classroom. They're all doing their own thing. Um, I feel like I can be unapologetically myself. Mm, I love that. And it's like I mentally 
and physically need it but I feel like it's more of a mental thing for me specifically Mm -hmm. with that class so I haven't missed it every Wednesday I'm like I'm doing this class it's happening but uh for a while now I've been trying to find normalcy in my gym time with weightlifting and just more consistency on that front and the fact that I haven't found it yet is purely my own fault (laughs) and I'm I'm done with that I'm ready to put intention into it and I know a lot of people are like I'm getting into the gym but it's it's more than that for me it's it's I'm ready to feel in control of my body I'm ready to like physically feel strong again and um I've been, I've been there for about a month and a half or two now where I'm kind of just over not feeling strong anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm, I'm ready. And I've always, I've always, my whole life had, I was really strong. Like I weigh a lot more than I look (laughs) like nobody believes me what my weight is when I tell them because I just don't, doesn't fit. But that's that's because I've always been yeah, I've always been strong. My mom calls it pioneer stock. Because <laughs> that's oh. our family history is a lot of pioneers. And so it's, it's just one of those like, well, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to make it happen. I know it's cliche, but to me it's not because that intention is so much bigger than just I'm getting into the gym. It's like, no, I want to get strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. I but love what it. about you? What about well, you? My uh, habit that I've been working really hard on lately is actually sleep related. So I've been really working very hard at getting to bed at a decent hour. And here's the exception to that. I was horrible during the week of like Black Friday and Cyber Monday (laughs) at this habit because I was just, I was literally with my intention (laughs) in survival mode during that Mm. week. And just mm-hmm. trying to get everything, all my systems in place and everything. And it was a cra- it was a wonderful November was a fantastic business month for both of us. And so, so grateful mm-hmm. for that. But it was a really difficult one when it comes to maintaining those healthy habits for sure. So and I'm sleep- feeling it. Woo. Yeah. So so being in bed by 930 not asleep, Ooh. but in bed. Okay, been, I'm like, dude, nine, that's, that's ambitious. Well, my husband gets up pretty early for teaching oh, okay. in the morning. And what I'd really like to set into intention in the new year is actually being someone who works out at like that 5 a.m. mark and then kind of moving on with my day after that. And I'm saying that as like, I, I would love to for that to be. It's a very difficult thing for me to accomplish personally because mm-hmm. I just don't get enough sleep to facilitate that. And then also mm-hmm. there's some logistical stuff too, as far as like childcare and whatever. So um, I, I'm going to try to do that. I don't know if I'll do it right into the new year, but my goal there is probably to ease into that habit with a few steps over a few months to make that okay. more doable for me. So that's kind of the plan as of now. Um, as far as that is concerned, but I have to do the sleep first. So that's why I was trying to set sleep that foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes so much sense. See, for me, the intention is get there just so I can get strong. And you're like, I need to sleep so I can get there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, love for it. real. And I, it's because more so I, I would just like my work day to start earlier and end earlier. 
And then that would also facilitate that earlier bedtime too. So that's something I'm going to enjoy watching that shift. In oh, gonna it's cool. going to take a lot of work on my part. So it's not going to happen overnight, but it's one that I know, I know makes me feel better and would yeah. likely work for me. And I used to be like majorly a morning person. And I think I still, mm. I, I feel like I'm one of those people who can kind of shift between like being a night person and being a morning person. I can't, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, because I've kind of occupied both spaces at different times in my life and been just fine. So it just depends. So yeah, anyways. yep. That's what I'm sleep is really what I'm working on. Yeah. Sleep in gym. We got our priorities <laughs> working on it. <laughs> all right. As we come into this conversation about intentions and resolutions, whatever you want to call them, I think it's all about what, you know, resonates with you for me. The word intention resonates so much deeper than resolution. So I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited for um, the breakdown of all of these things. I think the first thing I really want to break into is we talk a lot about Enneagram typing. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for resolutions, intentions, you know, when you're trying to set goals? Uh, like, Cassie, I know you're a type eight. Yes. Which is titled the challenger that's kind of that sounds kind of ominous <laughs> whoops um yeah it turns <laughs> out it's i'm not an easy person to deal with but i <laughs> i think i think all of this like before you go into goal setting it's so important to have a great understanding of who you are and why you do what you do because yes. it's so much deeper than just thinking about like oh why do i suck so much in this area and i can never accomplish oh this goal or like that yes. guilt trip we give ourselves when we just can't seem to get something done or make a change in our lives which and is not fair that no not and fair. honestly when i understood my tendency which is kind of a la gretchen rubin framework as far as being and you guys hear us talk about this all the time but go take the quiz for the four tendencies or go check out like her information and books on that better than before. And then the four tendencies, it is so fascinating. And I think it really speaks to new year's resolutions, especially because it all has to do with how you respond to expectations, whether you're setting those yourself or others are placing those expectations on you and how, how you respond to those. So I think like knowing your tendency and knowing your Enneagram type can really, really help you figure out not only like, how are you going to actually accomplish said goals that you're, that you're going for, but then Mm -hmm. also within that, like with your tendency, like that's, what's going to tell you like how you accomplish it. But I feel like your Enneagram type is going to tell you what kind of goals you should go for to grow personally. 100%. 100%. Right? 100%. If, I know if for that's me, what you want to like, do. Yeah, for me, it also, it just puts us in a place of success. I talk about this in parenting with my kids all the time that for me as a parent, I will never put my children in a situation where they won't have a modicum of success. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I cannot treat Lucy the same way that I treat Paxton because it will not set them up for success if I do that. And I'm, and I'm not about that. So why would I do why would I not do that for myself mm-hmm. but you have to like as a parent I know my kids pretty darn well so I had to go on this journey to get to know myself well enough to figure out how to set myself up for success you know yeah because I can't set the same goals that you have I can't I am not well I'm an obliger but I'm not an Enneagram type 8 like I can't put the same goals down as you because it's I'm gonna feel like I'm beating my head up against the wall or it's not gonna resonate deep with me or 
well you know, i'm a, i'm a things. deeply ego driven person so and that's like, like the opposite of mine yeah you know, so like, the really interesting piece is like the type two is considered the helper so you're gonna mine. Yeah. more often than not like abandon your goals and dreams okay. for other people's goals and dreams and focus do on that. others I do and, that a lot. right and so like your mantra has to be like putting your mask on before assisting others in case of an emergency right yes Which turns out is like all the time or not pouring from an empty cup right yes and mm -hmm. so like you have to actually weave in being selfish into your goals even though your version of being selfish is not probably actually being selfish I know. but that's kind of the approach that you have to take in order to get some things done and really not only take care of yourself but you're going to be taking care of the other people in your life by doing that because you're going to be happy and nourished and full and focused and all of those things so I think can I go into story time for a second oh please yeah oh please <laughs> it's I was almost like you're drumming your fingers together and oh, like please. I want to hear stories <laughs> uh for me it's been interesting getting to know myself on that front I don't think I took the test until like May or April of this year so mm -hmm. this is still a pretty new journey for me and I I've done a lot of introspective work to try to understand myself a little bit better because I am ready for 2019 to go bonkers like it's gonna happen and but it's not gonna happen unless I set myself up for success here you know mm -hmm. so type two they're the helpers and I can't pinpoint this to an exact moment, but I remember being like a preteen age and dude, guys, my pre-puberty age was so rough. If I ever get a chance to share a picture, I will because <laughs> my body did weird things. I went from being this like kind of like muscular but thin child with straight dark hair to I, my, my whole body like turned round and I it was like I look back at pictures and I look swollen but I didn't know that at the time obviously and I gained like a ton of size in my body and I was uncomfortable and my hair went frizzy and I was just like and I was trying to figure everything out I think everybody's pre-puberty or at puberty age is awkward and weird but I distinctly remember at that time in my life making a decision that was a pretty selfish decision and it wasn't that it hurt anyone else and I don't remember the exact situation but from that moment on I was like like it made me so upset at myself that I had made a decision that seemed selfish that I put this on myself. Like if I was probably already an Enneagram too, you know, at the time, but being told that my decision was selfish was enough for me to be like, like I became almost like a self martyr from then on. Like yeah. my teen years, my, especially my early twenties, I, I, I think that I equated being unselfish as the ultimate like level of amazingness. <laughs> like it was just, I hit this point of thinking that I was going to do everything for other people and that was going to make me a good person. And like, I, you know, I just put all these like weird limitations around myself and it has taken me a long time to like unpack that and just be like, okay, <laughs> you know, like pull down your own mask first. You can't pour from an empty cup. All those things have been so true. And my thirties have been so healing for a lot of those things. It took me most of my twenties to like figure that out, which I think is true for most people. Your twenties are just this, like, let's go on this journey and get ourselves figure out thing. And hopefully that is because your thirties are pretty awesome. If you do like my thirties have been great right. because every year I've been like feeling like I'm stepping into myself mm -hmm. and like really living my own truth. And I think that before you even try to 
to set goals, you have to go on that journey. You, yeah. I mean, knowing your type is important, but also knowing what that means for who you are is a big part of setting those goals. Because for me, my goals in 2019 are a little more selfish than they were the year before. Because I know that if I hit those goals, I am going to be the best helper. I am going to be helping other people more. Yep. You know, and it's like, it's been, it's been an interesting journey <laughs> learning that type. I was, at first I was just like, ugh, I know <laughs> when I found out I was a type two and then, and now I'm like, no, this is like my superpower. This is a good thing. Cause now I know it and I can use it and draw from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as a, as a type eight, so I'm like the, the power person the challenger is what it's often described as and it's not that you're power hungry like I don't you are not power hungry you are power protective I might be power hungry in like a (laughs) altruistic sense like as long as it benefits me and others I'm power hungry um Mm -hmm. but it does power being power hungry doesn't always have to be a bad thing like if you're representing Mm -hmm. the interests of others I think uh Mm -hmm. but of course this is coming from my challenger point of view um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but with the and we, you know we'll have to do an episode in the future about like the enneagram types and and all of that. I'm certainly not an expert in that area. I know more about like my type and my husband's type. Um, <laughs> you mentioned your husband's. Type. Well, for sure, we all right? do it. We all do right? it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as a type eight, the really interesting part of New Year's resolutions for me is that to um, say that something needs to change requires me to recognize that the current state is less than optimal, which makes me Mm. feel vulnerable. Like recognizing Mm. areas where I can improve make me feel like less powerful, less than right. And Mm. I think, I think there's a lot of power actually in discovering your own vulnerability and harnessing that and really connecting with other people and helping yourself to grow because, you know, you know, and so that's my own like self-awareness, but at the same time, my nature is to run away from new year's resolutions because if I say like, I want to change something, that means it's not good right now (laughs) to me, Oh, interesting. which, which requires me to really look at that and, and be vulnerable in that place. So, and a lot of that requires asking for help too. So part of my mm-hmm. new year's resolutions more often than not, as first of all, a Enneagram type eight, but then also being an obliger, I respond to other people's expectations. So this is where I have to actually ask for help. And so a lot of my new year's resolutions for 2019 are getting help in lots oh of different areas. Gosh. I love that. I love that, that you know that about yourself. I think that's such an interesting combo, the type eight with the obliger nature. Yeah. And I think the really interesting piece about the two of us in this discussion is that your type tends to have to be more selfish in your goal setting. And I have to try to be more selfless in my goal setting. Literal That's how opposites. opposite we are. Yeah. Uh, which is so funny because we get along so well. Like, Yeah. Well, let's talk. Track, I guess. Right. Hey, babe. <laughs> hey. So let's talk about ten- the tendencies, because I think this is one of the more interesting pieces of actually accomplishing your goals yeah and we Mm -hmm. both are obligers so we probably give up on our resolutions every single year by like january 7th or like honest most of the time i don't even set them. i don't even set them anymore because i know i'm not going to do them so what's the point it seems and i try i try to pretend like i'm that person who hates new year's resolutions but i actually kind of love them because i always want a chance to start over 
Like that's, mm-hmm. I always want to be better. I love the new year, but I never speak my, in, my intentions or write them down. Right. So because I, I hate that feeling of knowing that I'm not going to meet it. Yeah. So if I've made resolutions in the past, whether they were like really intentional and I wrote them down or I was just kind of keeping them in my brain, I fail to keep them. And then I don't want to make new ones the next year because I failed to even do the ones from the previous year. And, and you know what runs through my head is dang it, Genevieve, why can't you be an adult? Yeah. And, and why are this? you such a lazy slob and figure yes, it out? Why are you such a child? Ugh. And, and when she, in her book, she said that. Well, I was listening to her talk it out loud because she was narrating. Anyway, but when she said that, I just went, oh, my gosh, I do. I do that to myself. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Why do I do that to myself? Right. Because it puts all this negative connotation on growth when that's the opposite of what challenges and goals and, you know, is to be more, do better, like be, you know, be more than you are. And and, and it, it honestly released so much for me knowing that. Uh, it's okay to be an obliger. And in fact, it's in the most common tendency on the list. Yeah. It has nothing to do with maturity level. Like no. literally nothing. Yeah. This was quite life changing for me. And I think a lot of tendencies like, you know, it's easy to use your tendency as an excuse. Like I think like rebels are great. Like pe- they try to use an excuse. So like, oh, I don't have to do anything because I'm a rebel. But um, same thing with like questioners um, upholders, they're not making any excuses because they're doing everything. But in the obliger <laughs> category, this really enlightened me to the point where it made me be able to actually accomplish some of my goals. And while 2018 was very much so about obliging in business for me and creating structure and accountability in my business, this next year, it's got to be in my personal life because the personal life is suffering at the helm of the business doing well. So I, I want both. And I know I can't have everything all at once, but I, I want some semblance of normalcy in personal life and not, you know, just this constant wave of like, stress okay it's stress and we're back down and we're like it's just up and down up and down so um and that's something I've created for myself really but um the huge huge thing that's so critical with obligers is creating a system of external accountability if you want to stick to your resolutions so we always talk about like going to the gym right honestly you guys if I want to get my butt to the gym doesn't matter what hour it is 5 a.m 9 a.m 11 a.m 5 p.m doesn't matter I have to have someone waiting for me on the other end and if there's a financial attachment to it even better And this can't, Mm -hmm. this is the other thing for me. Let's take it a step further. This can't be, I paid for a gym membership and I'm going to use it. I will let a gym membership, I will pay for it for months and just let it just, uh, uh, just, it's there, whatever. Yeah. What? And I'm like, oh yeah, I I have autonomy because I have access to it anytime I want. Oh wait, but I don't use it. So... (laughs) So there's that. So the times where I've been able to afford having a personal trainer or prioritize my budget that way have been the times where my health has transformed. And as as soon as that habit becomes my identity or part of my identity or part of what I do. And it's for me, it's not just about the like it becoming a habit. It's about identity-based habits. And this is so, so interesting. I recently just listened to an episode of the Between Meals podcast from um, from Beth Manosbricky, who was just our guest on the podcast. Her podcast is absolutely wonderful. Please go listen to it. But in this episode, she interviewed James Clear, who's the author of Atomic Habits. And this is this book's been on my list for a couple of weeks now. And he talks about 
the disconnect between an outcome-based habit, which is what we're, nor- we're, we're used to setting. Like, I want to lose X amount of weight. I want to walk this many miles a day. I want, you know, like it's an outcome-based habit. But he talks about the need for transforming your mindset and making identity-based habits. So instead of mm, saying like, deep. I want to lose 40 pounds, you say, I'm, I am the type of person who does not miss a workout. Like, I don't miss a workout. That is me. I love that. That felt really good in my brain when you said that. Or like, I am an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And it's those sorts of things. And if I remember back to a time in my life where I had no accountability with my workouts, you know, maybe there was some built in because it was a ritual. So people were expecting me to be there, like Mm -hmm. class-based workouts, which work really well for me if I'm in the habit already. Yeah. But the times in my life where I really accomplish things are when um, it's part of my identity. Interesting. Right? And I, I wonder if that it feeds into your Enneagram type 8. Well, I think, I think it's probably true for almost anybody. There's a version of that 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 comes into mm-hmm. as far as connecting with who you are and having that habit or that goal be broken down into a daily action that you can make part of your nature. And really work on that piece of it. And so I would really recommend reading his book. I've just barely started it. And I am like, my literally like mind blown every 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> but he just talks about how like having identity based habits really help to create lasting habits. And mm-hmm. because your current behaviors are a reflection of your current identity. So if you want a different identity, then you need different habits. So it's this Mm -hmm. really interesting connection and it has to do with like really changing your behavior for good. Because I remember the first time I went to like lose weight and I became an athlete in that process. And it just started with like, you know, it wasn't identity based in the beginning. It was like, I want to change my life. I want to lose 60 pounds, blah, blah, blah. And I did. I had a personal trainer for a lot of that. I had a, a health coach for a lot of that too. So there's accountability built in. But within that process, toward the end, I became an athlete. And I thought to myself, I will never not be an athlete again. And so the interesting piece is that I still have moments where I like think of myself as an athlete, but I'm like, no, you're not, you're not, you're not <laughs> like you're, it's not part of your daily life. So Dude, by definition, you're not, everything. yeah, it really does. And I didn't have a really solid foundation, even having worked out for years before I gave birth to my son, because I had, was like on a slow retrograde of being in the gym as uh, during my pregnancy it was like and it had already started before that so it was just kind of this like down regulation of my involvement in in my crossfit community and my gym for many reasons um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just really interesting to think of things like is it a phase through life is it part of your identity the part of who you are and he talks a lot about like the example of like being a runner so like if you want to run X number of miles a day, or if you want to lose weight by way of running, which that's a whole nother thing. I'm not going to recommend you guys doing that. (laughs) But like, let's say you want to become a marathon runner. Like you have to become a runner. Like that's your part of your identity. You are a runner, not, you know, and that's where like you don't miss a run. So you change it from that context. So I just thought that was absolutely fascinating and something that, you know, is it really that new of a concept, but just to see it kind of whittle down into that thought process and having it feel really tangible to me um, was super interesting. So a lot of dots connected. It sounds like. Yes, for sure. Obviously, because I'm like, Um, no, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I had a dot connecting moment with the Gretchen Rubin, too. It's like I 
because I I lost a decent amount of weight when I got pregnant with my my mm-hmm. second, but I, we had dealt with a year of infertility, mm-hmm. and I was not well. And I just said, you know what? I'm just in really bad shape. I need to get back in the gym, and I did get in to the gym, but it was just I was just so dang tired. And then I just realized my nutrition needed to change, and. And while I don't always recommend doing this because I know so much more now, I got really into a program that was exactly what I needed in that moment because Mm -hmm. it was kind of expensive and we really didn't have the money. And my husband was so happy for me that I found something I thought would be good and he knew what my goals were. And he just said, "Okay, but I'm telling you right now you cannot waste a cent of what you're spending and that like flipped a switch for me and instead of having the because I went to the gym by myself for every day for like five days a week by myself but you were obliging to the program and obliging to because of my husband yes but at the time I was like wow I can't believe I'm doing this like I was so in awe of myself like I didn't know what why I was able all of a sudden to stick to something like that and listening to Gretchen's book and realizing that I, it was cause there's, I mean, she, she lists off some really great other ways that obligers can be uh, great in their jobs is like, or in what they're choosing to do. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a really cool workout one that would not work for you. I don't think, but it would, it would work for me if I had a workout buddy and we kept each other's workout shoes. That was one of hers. And then uh, that might actually work for me. You think it would work for you? Yeah. Okay. I don't know about the shoes, but I think that's really interesting. Um, it worked for me the, when I had a workout buddy in general, cause I'm showing yeah. up for another person. I'm obliging to them. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm even all for having someone else's shoes, but not needing to work out together because that obliger rebellion is a real thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I feel like I'm being pushed too hard or a, I, I, I shut down and I just go, mm, I'm done. <laughs> just flat out walk away. Oh my gosh. It's, it's been an interesting thing to watch in myself since I've been aware of it and as I start to get close to Obliger Rebellion and things that really matter to me I just go nope okay okay back off and just reanalyze the situation and reframe it and you might feel differently about it yeah absolutely and I so think, I think that's such a healthy way to approach it too you know when you're hitting yeah. that place of Obliger Rebellion which means Especially you something important for those of you who don't know what Obliger Rebellion is it's literally when you've obliged so many times that you're literally just like f it I can't I'm not going to oblige you anymore. And then you rebel (laughs) instead. I've done that in friendships too, where I felt like it's just, I've obliged too much and I'm being, Oh yes. Like I don't do well when somebody pushes me and when somebody, it almost feels like bullying, like I'm being bullied into something. I'm just, I literally walk away. I'm just like, peace out. (laughs) Like have a nice life. Bye. And bye, which I think is healthy in some ways, but in other ways it's like, you know, a lot of unresolved things that can happen that way and it's it's, it can be like that with yourself when you walk away from resolutions or walk away from things that you really really want Mm -hmm. you know and then you have these moments of like oh why did I and should have and would have could have and so I think understanding that about myself and not allowing myself to get to that point and have that woulda shoulda coulda has been really important for me in the last you know seven or eight months yeah absolutely I love that and I think it's so important to know I think Uh, another really interesting thing about talking about obligerness when it comes to like health and wellness goals. I think a lot of people from other tendencies are have an obliger tendency when it comes to working out. 
I talk to a lot of people who are rebels and they're like, "Uh, actually, when it comes to working out, I'm an obliger. So it's really fascinating because you can kind of jump over depending on like what that category is, what your tendency seems to be, even if you have to lean like you're deeply rooted. Well, and even if you're deeply rooted in a tendency, Mm -hmm. like because I'm an obliger that slightly leans towards upholder, like I like rules. I like organization. I do, too. I think I'm the same. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm definitely not. I don't lean toward being a rebel. I lean toward being an upholder for sure. And I think and I've my had mom's times a rebel that leans towards obliger. When I think I for a while I kind of thought I might be an upholder, and then I started my own business, and I was like, nope, you're an obliger, hundred <laughs> 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 percent. Uh, you were just so obliging I, to the rules before. So I think one really important thing to note with this whole idea of like New Year's resolutions and goal setting is tangibly how do you do this and of course you're Mm going to approach it from this perspective of you know knowing yourself well but now what and so I think there's I think there's a really interesting piece where you can look at not only what is most important to you in the new year but also what you think you need the most help with like what needs the most Mm. work in your life so if your health is suffering does that need to be your focus in uh, it might not be the most important to you but it probably is where you need to focus because it's not been important to you and you haven't been focusing on it or you can't do the stuff that's important to you because you need to work on your health uh uh-huh Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. So like what's important to me? I want to get to the gym. Well, sleep isn't is not that important to me, but I need to prioritize it in order to get there. So uh-huh. So I think it's very interesting to kind of think about it from that framework, but you can kind of choose goal setting in different categories. And this is something that um I was introduced to by Diane San Filippo actually. She made a goal setting guide uh, for her email list two years ago, I think it was 2017. And she listed out these categories where you could set goals in. And I absolutely loved it. And I tried so hard to get my husband on board to do the same thing, but we were in such a tight financial space and everything felt so like dark and limited two Mm. years ago that, you know, with a one-year-old at home and like all stuff, I couldn't get him to like dream enough to make a resolution about what he might want to accomplish and that was really difficult Mm -hmm. and I was having a hard time with it too and so hopefully this year he'll be more open to that but we'll we'll see Um, okay I'm excited to hear about he better be we got some exciting things. Got well, exciting things going on. Yeah, we do. So, um, but w- some of these categories are ones that I've added, and some of these ones are that Diane listed out that I thought were really interesting too. And so, obviously, career and financial, I think, is great. And obviously, those goals will kind of trickle down into everything else. Um, health and wellness were a couple of categories, and you could do like health and fitness. You could also nutrition and fitness. You can break that down however much you want. Um, adventure and travel, home, um, if you have like projects you want to complete and things like that, um, personal and spiritual goals. So like this will be the category that I put in ways to give back, just like we are talking about next week in our Christmas mini-sode, because I think this is an area that I really could use a lot of personal development. And again, mm-hmm. like thinking mm-hmm. of the needs of others is something I need to do more. Um, <laughs> and as an obliger, I do, but my Enneagram type kind of keeps me from really conceptualizing that and really caring for people in the way that I really want to. So, Mm. and then relationships are going to be another one that I'm really working on this year too. Um, but that, those are kind of the categories and what Diane suggested in her goal setting workbook from a couple of years ago was like doing a brain dump in each of these areas and then doing a prioritization. And I, you guys know how much I love brain dumping. Like we've talked about that before. 
um, love brain dumping. And what that involves is like write down in each category. So you could either write down like everything you want to accomplish in 2019, just on a piece of paper period, and then you can categorize it, or you can do a brain dump under each category. So whichever way is going to support you the most, but you can go from that and then you can prioritize from there. So you can say, okay, now what's the most important thing to me? Which category is the most important thing to me? Okay, I need to prioritize those things. And the most important thing when you're doing this goal setting is like not saying, okay, I want to lose 40 pounds. It's saying, okay, if I want to lose weight um, or if I want to change my body composition, then I know the habits that are going to get me there are going to the gym on a regular basis and eating healthfully. And those are broken down into a daily task. And I think that is where this like identity based goal setting really comes in Mm -hmm. to be coming from this place where you're like, I eat healthy or however triggering that word may be for somebody else. Like healthy might not be the right word. I eat uh, in a way I eat intentionally. I I eat in a way that supports my body that makes me uh feel good. So whatever that is. Um, And then again, identity based, like I don't skip a workout or I work out every day that I'm feeling good or whatever it is that works for you. So you get to decide that what that sounds like for you. But they're all identity based goals. So, oh, I love all of this. This is going to be so helpful for me. (laughs) I think it's really fascinating. So and I I think through this process, you can really get to know yourself better because you're going to have to go through it. The first step is to really learn like your Enneagram type, which you can take the quiz. If you take the test, I really recommend actually just grabbing the book, How to Understand or Understanding Your Enneagram. And I will link that in the show notes for you guys. But basically, when you have an idea from the test, you might get two or three types that really like you could relate to either one. But when you look at the book and the statements under each type, you're going to read through them. And the ones that aren't you, you'll have a few pieces of the statements that you can relate to. But the one that's you, you're just going to be like jaw dropping on the floor. OMG, that's me. Like it's going to be really clear to you what your type is um, more often than not for people. And that was definitely the case for me. I like read through each one and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then I get to the eight and I'm like, oh, (laughs) oh, that's usually the statement I've done all of the typing with my family in my house including my younger brother and it it was hilarious going through each type with them and having them laugh like the good the bad the ugly everything that was in their enneagram type was them oh my gosh it is so funny oh it's too it's so to a t and i'm just like how i don't even know how this works but i'm just gonna trust it (laughs) because it's already favorite thing ever it's already helped me so much my favorite thing ever is um, seeing random, and this is things other people have done. I'm not sure if this is the experts, but there are random like memes, Enneagram memes out there that have to do with like different things like, like what dif- what each Enneagram type would be like giving out candy at Halloween. Mm-hmm. What each Enneagram type would be doing on Thanksgiving. Like those are so funny because most of the time they are insanely true. Like we were, I was crying. I was laughing so hard over the Halloween candy one because it was just, it was so true. I think it was true. I think mine was giving like pencils and Play-Doh and stuff like that. (laughs) Practical. (laughs) Mine was um, giving out handfuls. (laughs) Yeah. Take them all. Take them all. I know. See, I would do that so I could tell other kids that I was out and I wouldn't have to do it anymore. I don't even want to be a house that does trick-or-treating. Like that sounds terrible. You know what's so funny is my my dad and my bro are um, type three, which is the achievers. Like Mm. they, they like to achieve things. And so they would give one piece of candy and say say trick-or-treat 
because then the kid achieved that piece of candy and they get one because they achieved one piece of candy by saying trick or treat and we laughed so hard because that's exactly what they'd be like it's like you have to you have to do achieve it do it the right way you know you ask Mm -hmm. for it and then my husband's a type five and um the type five are kind of like they're the happy they're, they're the type that's happiest like living in the woods you know they don't need other people mm-hmm. you know and they just didn't participate type fives just don't have the lights on nobody's home like <laughs> yep and he's like whatever i like giving out candy and i was like and he goes well i mean i guess i would turn the light off early <laughs> and i laughed so hard when he said that but it was just it was really funny going through the whole list and how it fit everyone and my mom was the type four. Oh no my mom was the type four that would give out handfuls and i would be the type that would let the kid rummage through the bowl and pick out their favorite mm. that's totally me and my mom is like she's the type four who feels very passionately who um just feels deeply that gives kids handfuls like here have all the candy and they run out the soonest that's funny it's just I, it's enneagram typing is so fascinating i think it's an interesting thing to um constantly be looking i mean there's also meyer myers briggs which i think is really fascinating too yes i i have found the combination of enneagram myers briggs and the tendencies oh and love languages like holy moly thank you so glad you said that this is like the this is like the epitome of personal development right here (laughs) (laughs) which i think we already did an episode like that but here we are again it's that important guys well we're kind of about it but yeah but what's your what's your myers-briggs personality type oh i am the entertainer i'm an esfp 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 and i don't see many people talking about esfps i think i see a lot of like i sfps or Uh infjs and like like i i don't like you're the only other person i've heard of that says that they're an e something 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 yeah i'm an enfj um which i can't yeah, remember yours? what is it oh, called wait, i got it, i got it the protagonist i'm the protagonist all of your titles sound so ominous and like <laughs> intense intense there we go they sound well, just so intense am i not an intense person <laughs> kind true. of sometimes yep that's true you are pretty intense oh and like, genevieve makes me are- she makes me continue to have fun because my titles and are so like, does, I'm the helper, well, the entertainer. So does my husband. Like, my husband keeps me oh, having yeah. fun, too. He's so good in balancing that way. So Hey, kudos to you for letting us do that for you, though. Well, Serious people don't always let other people do I don't that. know about let. They just, you guys just came into my life, and I was like, fine. Like, All the Disney quotes fine. that you just <laughs> have to deal with. <laughs> Listen, it seriously makes me nauseated when people tell me how much they love Disneyland. I'm like, just Why? <laughs> I've been there oh once and the whole time I I was 17 and I was still like, why am I here? I think that's part of the problems. I went to Disneyland like because my mom, my mom is like huge into Disneyland. It's always been a big deal for her. And so she just kind of instilled the, the magic in me. Like I just enjoyed it. For, I mean, I went to it. I went to Disneyland, I think like five times before I was 20. And it just when you have a parent who's like in love with it, too, you just the magic is just that much bigger and better like I don't know like my mom and and we and we watched Disney movies and we read Disney books like my favorite books that she would read me were Disney books because she would just she had so much love in the narration of these stories I don't know like I think it's just instilled in me from a young age I love, and I love singing and the, the I fully recognize that fairy tales are just that they're fairy tales but they just dang it they make me happy Aww. so 
I just, I don't know. I think I gravitate because of that. I gravitate towards it because there's just so many other ways to have a downer day that Disney's not going to do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're hilarious and nauseating at the same time. I love you. (laughs) And you love it. It's okay. I do. Well, I don't love it. I love you. Oh, okay. That's okay. The... I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Well, I hope, I really hope this discussion is helpful for all of you kind of heading into that space where you're looking at what you want 2019 to really look like for you. And honestly, I think thinking of setting intention, I just love that concept because it really puts passion and purpose behind the goals that you are setting. And it's not just to resolve to change something, it's to like amplify and grow and be Mm -hmm. so much more. And I think, I think the word intention really all encompasses that versus the word resolution. So yeah, yeah, that's how I feel too. All right, you guys. Well, happy new year coming up. And uh, please, when we post the uh, this episode on instagram please 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 in the comments share with us any of your new year's intentions yes yes tell us all the things thanks for joining us today on this episode of rebel heart radio you can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com or you can hop on our instagram you can ask us anything we love to get to know you guys Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.